Volume 2, Chapter 10 of The Mummy, A Tale of the 22nd Century. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Arnie Horton. The Mummy, A Tale of the 22nd Century, by Jane Loudon. Volume 2, Chapter 10. The Spanish nobility were daily collecting round the Irish king. To one of the most distinguished of these, the Duke of Medina Selina, Roderick was particularly anxious to introduce Edric. For this purpose, therefore, as soon as the army of Roderick returned to his headquarters at Cadiz, where the Duke had remained, the friends went together to pay him a visit. Edric was exceedingly interested by this call. The Duke's family consisted only of himself and his granddaughter, the Princess Zoe, but the appearance of both was excessively striking. The duke was a blind old man with white flowing hair and a long silvery beard, clad with almost patriarchal simplicity, whilst Zoe, who sate closely by his side and seemed devoted to his comfort, was beauty itself. Exquisitely lovely, however, as her features were, they excited rather pain than pleasure in the mind of the beholder from their excessive paleness. Her dress was simple, a robe of black silk fitted tight to her slender shape, and her jet-black hair was simply braided on her forehead and confined in a net behind. When she saw the strangers, a slight blush stained the usual alabaster fairness of her complexion, and a trifling agitation was visible in her manner. It was but for an instant, however, that this glowing tint suffused her pallid cheeks, or that her fine features betrayed agitation. Her usual calm dignity of expression was immediately reassumed, and her countenance regained its marble whiteness. There was indeed something very singular in the whole countenance of this young beauty, for notwithstanding the exquisite loveliness of her features, her charms were rather those of a statue than of a human being. Her fine features were strictly Grecian and perfectly regular, but they were always fixed in one unvarying expression whilst her large black eyes fringed with long silken eyelashes and her glossy raven hair contrasted strangely with the spotless fairness of her complexion the whole gave her the air of some unearthly visitant from the tomb zoe had been unfortunate from her birth her mother having accompanied the old duke upon an embassy to constantinople had happened to please the fancy of the reigning emperor so forcibly that contrary to the advice of his counsellors, he had married her. Disproportioned marriages are seldom happy ones, and that of the parents of Zoe formed no exception to the general rule. The emperor soon repented his rashness, and, becoming tired of his wife, treated her with coldness and neglect, whilst she, far removed from all her former friends, and finding herself despised by the man for whose sake she had sacrificed everything, lingered a few years, and then died unheeded and forlorn, leaving only the hapless Zoe to lament her fate. The emperor married again, and Zoe dragged on a miserable existence, till, in an insurrection of the Greeks, her father had been murdered, and she herself compelled to fly from Constantinople. She had repaired first to Africa, but finding her grandfather was in Spain, she followed him thither, and still remained with him under the protection of Roderick. It was, indeed, the aristocracy of Spain 
for which the Irish hero was now principally fighting, for they had suffered most severely from the licentious conduct of the soldiers, and were most earnest in imploring his assistance. When the seat of the Spanish monarchy had been removed to Africa, most of the nobles followed in his train, whilst those who remained became objects of hate and suspicion to the republican governments that ensued. Still, however, the Amor Patriae glowed strongly in their breasts, and chained them to their country, and they had submitted patiently to innumerable grievances till a few months before they applied to Roderick, finding the insolence of the soldiers become insupportable, they determined to throw off the yoke and re-establish a monarchy in Spain. For this purpose they invited Don Pedro, a younger branch of their former royal family, to come over from Africa to accept their throne. He complied and brought in his train many of the old nobility, amongst the rest the venerable Duke of Medina Selina, whose most passionate wish was that he might die and be entombed in Spain. Don Pedro was unsuccessful and fled, but many of those who had accompanied him remained, and, with the resident Spanish nobility, now formed the splendid court of Roderick at Cadiz. The duke received Edric kindly, and treated Roderick with that enthusiastic devotion which is, beyond all other praise, flattering to the mind of man. Zoe never spoke, nor did her features betray that she took the slightest interest in the scene before her. It has been before observed that education was carried to such a pitch in England that all, even the common people, were universal linguists. Instruction, indeed, in that respect, was imparted in many brief and ingenious modes, and knowledge being thus rendered so cheap and easy as to be à la portée de tout le monde, it of course was going partially out of fashion with the higher classes, but as Sir Ambrose piqued himself on his devotion to all the old customs, he would not swerve from them in the education of his sons, and in consequence Edric was almost as learned in this respect as a servant or a laborer. This had often been a source of chagrin to him at home, as it prevented his feeling upon equal terms with those in the same situation of life as himself, and had contributed greatly to give him those shy and reserved manners we have noticed. On the present occasion, however, Edric found his learning advantageous, as it enabled him to enjoy thoroughly the animated and entertaining conversation of the old duke, after a lively and spirited discussion of the manners of the age generally, and the state of Spain in particular, the friends retired, having first obtained a promise from the Duke and Zoe to be present at a grand tournament Roderick intended giving on the following day. Well, Edric, said Roderick, what think you of the Princess Zoe? That she would be charming if she had a little more soul. I am surprised at your making such an observation, Edric. I thought you were fond of still life, or you would not feel so anxious about your mummy. Oh, for God's sake, do not joke me upon that subject. It is too solemn, too awful. At least your doubts are now satisfied. Not at all, returned Edric, for I cannot help imagining it was only permitted to appear resuscitated to punish my presumptuous daring, and its mysterious disappearance added to the strange and fearful adventures which have since attended us only tends to confirm my opinion. It must have excited a horrible feeling when you first saw it stir, observed Roderick. 
words cannot express the agony of that moment replied edric when i saw my strange unearthly wishes gratified and felt the impiety i had been guilty of in having formed them and i would have given worlds to restore the mummy to the deep sleep i had disturbed it was then however too late can you form any idea of what has become of it none if the egyptian story be correct that it contrived to reinflate the balloon and carried it away it is quite impossible to say how far it might go as the mummy could not possibly understand the management of the machine though he might accidentally fill it would it relieve you to think the mummy safe in england oh no i shudder at the thought well well then it is useless to make yourself unhappy about the subject depend upon it all is for the best i am sure for my part i am very much obliged to the resuscitated gentleman as if it had not been for his freak of flying away with your balloon you would not have been here at the present moment and i might never have even known that such a person was in existence however now you are here you must not leave me and when we have finished our campaign we will return to ireland together and pass the remainder of our lives in peace and tranquillity edric smiled for the very idea of peace and roderick seemed incongruous the tournament was held on a fine plain on the mainland a few miles from cadiz and nothing could exceed the brilliancy of the show the sun shone o'er fair women and brave men for even in winter the bright beams of an andalusian sun gave a glowing animation to the scene the busy murmurs of the crowd the prancing of the horses and the gay laugh of the light-hearted irishmen as they paid their high-flown compliments to the spanish beauties were however soon interrupted by the firing of cannon and a pause ensued which was at length broken by loud shouts of roderick roderick forever long live the conqueror of spain and immediately the pressure and bustle of the people and the sound of warlike music which gradually swelled upon the ear announced the arrival of that illustrious sovereign upon the field roderick was as usual riding upon champion his noble barb and surrounded by the officers of his staff but he was not talking to them with his accustomed familiarity his countenance even wore an air of sadness and reflection very unusual to it however as he rode along his fine horse tossing his head and spurning the ground as he advanced he looked completely the powerful sovereign he really was his dress was exceedingly becoming roderick knew mankind too well not to appear to adopt in some measure even the prejudices of those he associated with and knowing the particularity of the spaniards for dress and appearance his own was magnificent a tight vest and pantaloons of black satin displayed the elegance of his figure to the best advantage whilst a short cloak of the same material hung from his shoulders in graceful negligence and his head was covered with a large spanish hat of black velvet having a magnificent plume of ostrich feathers secured by a diamond aigrette in front a superb collar of diamonds also adorned his breast and a deep frill of van dyke lace was fastened round his neck splendid however as was the attire of roderick it was far exceeded by his personal advantages and no one could look upon that fair open brow those bright blue eyes that manly though youthful form that glossy chestnut hair and curling mustachios or 
what was more than all upon the smile of the mouth they decorated without feeling deeply interested for their possessor the fascinating manners of roderick have been already mentioned but upon the present occasion his usual gait de coeur was tempered by an air of dignity and command which became him equally well and which powerfully told that though he might sometimes condescend to seem amused with trifles he could when he pleased be indeed a king the affairs of spain were now beginning to assume a favorable appearance and consequently the people were better disposed to be amused whilst as a truce had been granted for some weeks during a negotiation for peace which was carrying on the combined spanish and irish soldiers shut up in the isle of leon and thrown entirely upon their own resources for amusement like most persons in similar situations grasped eagerly at every trifle which seemed to promise variety and change of scene roderick was perfectly aware of this and it was partly to afford employment for his officers and partly to gratify his own taste for the pursuits of chivalry that he had proposed the present tournament the lists were marked out and a flourish of trumpets summoned the combatants to the field two of the irish officers were the first who engaged and whilst every eye was occupied in watching their movements with the most intense anxiety roderick took an opportunity of whispering to edric that he had just received news from england well cried edric his eyes sparkling with impatience elvira is elected but i am afraid there is a strong party in the state against her and my father have you heard anything of him he is well and edmund is prime minister i ordered my emissaries to be particular in their inquiries respecting your family what says rosabella she is silent and therefore i fear you are right in such a case rosabella's silence can only portend a storm the duke has left the country and now resides entirely in town what a change said edric a few short months have produced all is altered i was excessively shocked when you informed me of the death of claudia but this news though it surprises does not displease me and thank god my father is well the defeat of one of the combatants with the shouts and triumph attending the success of the other now interrupted the conference and the rush of all parties towards the king separated him from edric who walked quietly away from the crowd to meditate upon the news he had received the train of thought thus conjured up was so pleasing that he was soon completely lost in it his father his brother and all the scenes of his childhood those early recollections so dear to every heart seemed to rise before him and he had forgotten spain and all that it contained when he was roused from his reverie by a piercing scream and looking round he saw the princess zoe near whose palanquin he had accidentally placed himself attempting to break from her carriage in a state of the most violent agitation astonished beyond the power of expression at her emotion edric hastily assisted her to unfasten the door of her palanquin and offered her his arm zoe took it without speaking and with trembling steps hurried across the plain in a few minutes however the cause of the princess's agitation was explained for as they approached the spot she evidently wished to reach edric saw the body of roderick extended upon the ground apparently without life or motion uttering an exclamation of horror he attempted to rush towards him but the princess held his arm firmly 
and prevented him quite astonished he looked up in her face she was still dreadfully agitated but she did not speak and only pressed her finger against her lips in a few minutes roderick opened his eyes and the princess again pressing edric's arm said in a hurried though low tone let us go edric obeyed and they walked hastily back to the palanquin in perfect silence when edric had assisted the princess into her carriage however and was about to retire she pressed his hand and said again in her peculiarly low soft voice do not speak of this i will not said edric and bowing respectfully as he pressed her hand to his lips he walked away excessively surprised at the scene he had witnessed upon reaching the king he found he had been thrown from his horse and so slightly hurt as not to think it necessary to interrupt the amusements of the day which concluded after a brilliant display of irish and spanish valor without any other incident worthy of notice a few days after this adventure as edric was sitting lost in thought in his own apartment musing as was his custom whenever he was alone upon the strange adventure of the mummy and endeavoring in vain to imagine what might be its probable fate he was startled by the door of his room flying suddenly open and roderick's rushing in pale and in violent agitation oh edric cried he i am ruined my fame is lost for ever whilst i have been loitering away my time here the enemy has obtained the assistance of the french they have taken madrid and almost all the towns between that and the frontier an immense army is marching upon seville and they intended to have blocked me up here amusing me with their pretended treaties till they had caught me in their snare and how has their plot been discovered the princess zoe yes i know what you would say she loves me and though i love her not nay though i am devoted to another if i reconquer spain myself and crown shall be thrown at her feet but if i fail i will never live to be the herald of my disgrace it is unworthy of roderick to despair it will be treachery if you are vanquished hold cried roderick driven almost to frenzy at the thought for mercy's sake talk not so calmly of my being vanquished i will conquer i will redeem my name or perish in the attempt and if they do vanquish me it shall be my corpse alone that they shall conquer for the immortal spirit shall escape their fury alas alas said edric your words have again conjured up the fiend that so long has haunted me does the immortal spirit escape edric returned the king this is not a moment for metaphysical subtleties we must act and that immediately and decisively we must advance upon seville and if possible get possession of that city before the army of the enemy shall reach it this blow will strike the spaniards with awe and before they have recovered themselves i shall have made myself master of half spain i know the character of the people i have to combat i must carry everything by a coup de main or i shall fail it was impossible to deny the justice of this observation and edric warmly seconded the preparations of roderick to march immediately upon seville these preparations were soon made for roderick was so completely idolized by his soldiers that they regarded his will as law and were ready to march at an hour's notice though they knew not where they were going dr entwerfen was excessively agitated when he found he was going now really to engage in war 
not that the base emotion of fear took possession of his soul but a slight trepidation such as that which scandal says even heroes feel at their first battle crept over his nerves and gave him an odd kind of sensation which he said was only anxiety to engage no one knew where they were going it was only rumored indeed that hostilities were about to recommence and as the doctor said it was very disagreeable to be unacquainted with the theatre of their future glory roderick was amused notwithstanding even the agitation of the moment with the efforts of the doctor to discover the secret and told him as though in confidence that they were going to attack lisbon delighted with this news which he firmly believed the doctor strutted about with indescribable dignity walking upon the tips of his toes pressing his lips together and swelling out his cheeks like a cherub in a country churchyard whilst he seemed absolutely bursting with the importance of the secret he carried all was now ready but before roderick quitted cadiz he took leave of the princess zoe it would be unjust to your merit and my gratitude said he to insult you with words but if i survive the devotion of my whole life stay interrupted zoe nor overrate so strangely the value of the service i have been so fortunate as to render you besides even if your estimate were just know that the services of zoe are not to be purchased no prince judge me not so meanly had i not determined we should never meet again the intelligence you so highly value would never have reached your ears my greatest enemy is dead and to-morrow i return to my native land where the rebels have no longer the power to injure me demetrius the ancient minister of my father arrived yesterday with the permission for my return and i do not hesitate an instant yet before i go speak cried roderick hastily command my life my throne my fortune zoe smiled the favor i have to request is trifling i have a favorite page who dreads to return to greece and i would willingly place him under your care he shall be my brother exclaimed roderick enthusiastically my friend my companion in arms he shall live with me fight with me and again a faint smile played on zoe's marble features like the ghost of departed joys it was but for an instant however and it added fresh darkness to the succeeding gloom i wish no privileges for my page said she gravely beyond those usually bestowed upon his class treat him kindly but promise me you will not overindulge him or i will not leave him with you you have only to command said roderick and you may rely upon obedience adieu then exclaimed the princess extending her hand whilst a slight blush stained her alabaster complexion god bless you we may meet again roderick kissed her hand as he would have done that of an empress heaven grant we may exclaimed he for rest assured no earthly pleasure could afford me half the joy none asked zoe incredulously none repeated he firmly unless perhaps added he with a smile the reconquering of spain then you will accept my page as a gift from heaven he shall join you ere you cross the bridge once more adieu adieu cried roderick and zoe vanished in half an hour the troops were under arm and had quitted cadiz but roderick in the bustle and confusion attendant upon the removal of so large a body of men so suddenly had quite forgotten the greek page as he was crossing the bridge however 
his noble barb started and roderick looking for the cause saw a slight graceful boy who kneeling presented him with a letter it was from zoe i forgot to tell you wrote she that my page is dumb as his loss of speech however was accidental he is notwithstanding perfectly intelligent and will obey your slightest gesture ordering some of his attendants to provide a horse roderick desired the page to mount it and ride by his side the boy crossed his arms upon his breast bowed his head in token of obedience and then lightly vaulted into the saddle end of chapter ten of volume two